what's happening everybody and welcome back to another episode of rapping with reef bum i'm your host keith Berkelhammer. so today i have the pleasure of welcoming raj Shingadia to the show what's happened there raj what's up keith not much man we uh we almost didn't pull this off on time we we had a little uh some some gremlins going on here and it's uh I don't know. Maybe it's the uh, the reef therapy uh, technical curse, perhaps. I, it might be. I might. It might be. But you know, <laughs> it, it's now tradition. So if we didn't have those technical difficulties to start off with, something's wrong. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I feel good that we solved the problem in the nick of time when we got on the uh, on the um, on YouTube on time. So I see there's a bunch of people already out there viewing what's happening there, folks. Uh, just real quickly, for people that don't know Raj, he holds a Bachelor's of Science and a Bachelor's of Arts from the University of Georgia. Um, he is the uh, owner of Reef Builders and is also the co-owner of MRC. He has 20 years plus of industry experience in acquiring maintenance, fabrication, design, and implementation as well as industrial sales and marketing leadership skills. His work has been featured on national design shows and internationally in public zoos and aquariums of all sizes. And he has been a guest speaker at various aquarium and entrepreneur conferences around the United States. But before we start chatting with Raj, I wanna thank the sponsors for this show, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Appreciate them supporting this live stream and also appreciate all you folks out there tuning in to uh watch please uh hit that like button i know we uh we we're we're uh, over 50 viewers right now only 17 likes let's get that bumped up there a little bit so more people can find us and as always uh comments questions are welcome in the chat so man how how you doing though what's going on these days raj Hey, it's you know busy. It's a new year, so it just kind of focusing on closing out 2023. Your ups, your downs, all you know, everything in between, and trying to make a new path for 24, which is off to a off to a start, right? Like it's it's a crazy weather down here, and oh yeah, uh, yeah, we've got big storms right now. So we're we're at my my city is actually under a flood warning. Which is odd because I'm, I live right in the foothills of mountains, and I, I, I'm at the top of a hill. I never thought flooding would even be a consideration of an issue here, hmm. but this, yeah, we're in a flood warning. So there we go. Yeah, we have um, some interesting weather coming through. We have uh, some snow, so we're probably going to get like five to eight inches of snow, and then we're going to have some fierce, like fifty to sixty mile an hour, possibly some mile an hour uh, gusts. And then um, rain, and then maybe back to snow by tomorrow morning. So um, wow, it's gonna be rocking and rolling here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we don't see a lot of snow, but I am in New York um, the the rest of the week, so uh, I think I'll get to see a bit of it up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. sure. Um, so man, you are uh, you got a lot going on, dude. You got uh, you got two companies to worry about now, and um, but. Raj, talk to us about how you kind of like got all involved in in the business. You know, what was, what's uh, your uh, reef keeping journey been like? <laughs> Journey's been crazy, mm. and it continues to get even crazier. But you know, this was never, this industry was never supposed to be a business for me because it was just my my hobby. It was a passion, and I really just fell into the business end of things. And 
um, ended up being good at what I do and, you know, kind of carving out that niche and um, just I really dove in into the deep end and I tend to do that a lot with things. So it, it's just crazy how that happens. But, you know, I, mean, I, I was going to school to be an attorney and uh, I, I'm, I'm Indian and Indian parents really only give us a couple of options on what we're allowed to be when we grow up. You know, you, I could be a doctor or I could be an attorney. And then you get like the, the, the third option, which is, all right, maybe, maybe you could be a dentist because that's still <laughs> medical. And, you know, you get a lot of maybes, but uh, an aquarium guy was definitely not on that list. So when I, I had to make this call from school when I, you know, made that call, called my mom and I realized that I had a really good professor that told me that's like, Raj, you're, you know, you're really good at this part of law, which is being in court. I loved that part of it mm. and I hated the paperwork part of it. Mm. And so he sat me down and he was like, you know, your law career is not going to be the, the big showboating uh, in the in the court, like you're not going to be this big trial attorney out of the gate. You're going to have to work your way up. And this is mostly what you're going to do is all the stuff that you hate. So just <laughs> prepping. So yeah, I had to make that call to my mom and say, you know what? I'm not going to finish this part and I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Mm. And so, yeah, I had to deal with a lot of crying, a lot of, you know, wow. I was like the one that was supposed to, to do all these things. And so started, started my career off with disappointing my mom. Oh. Worst thing you can do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, how did you, uh, how did you make the transition into, uh, I mean, basically it was MRC, right? Is that kind of like how you got, uh, going in the business? Not really. Um, <clears throat> I did. So in college I had a reef tank. It was a 29 gallon reef tank and I did a lot of tinkering and, and a lot of reading. I researched everything that I possibly could. And back then, you know, this was in the late 90s, like 99 to early 2000s. And the internet wasn't what the internet is today. So yeah. limited resources online. Um, but I had the University of Georgia Science Library, mm. you know, right there. And I could go and at this point, you would have to look things up on the computer and then go find the, the journal that that article or that study is in, photocopy it, bring it back so you can go through and read them all. Um, so it was really interesting. But back then, Reef Central was the big forum. And then there was uh, Reefland. Um, Reefland was smaller, but a lot nicer, like a better community. Uh, so I started tinkering then, you know, building ballasts, like metal halide ballasts. Really? Doing them better than, yeah. The, the, the stuff that you were finding. So, mm. uh, you know, I, I made a contact, opened up an account at an electrical warehouse and just collected the parts and was starting to assemble them. So just kind of got into, I guess, the business end of it there. I was doing coral grow outs and my years later then, you know, my basement was covered with your low boy um, yeah. troughs and yeah. had, I, I would, I would get brown colonies um, from sea dwelling and um, ERI and all those guys. I'd be like, give me the stuff that you don't want. You're going to throw out. You can't sell. I'll take all your browns. Knowing that I'm going to blast them with lights. like, And I would grow them out under with 6,500 Iwasakis yeah. and then move them into 
your 20K, you know, super blue halides and see what comes out of them. Some of them, they're just brown. <laughs> Others, all kinds of colors would come up and I would have just gotten, you know, these co big colonies. And back then, remember colonies were like the size of our heads. Yeah. They, were, they were big. Yeah. And, you know, I would have gotten them for next to nothing. So started wholesaling those out to stores and going to the local reef club and selling frags. So really started off small and this was ended all, up this was this was all like in college or right after college or this was after college after so this college. was you know i'm working and the big thing was like hey i've got a career making money i want a big aquarium mm. and this was oh four oh five at this point now and uh, yeah i got a 10 foot by three foot by three foot aquarium and it was going to be a full blown out reef. And, you know, large aquariums in a home back then wasn't really a thing like it is now. So, and if it was a thing, it wasn't really, you didn't have that peer to peer contact because the internet wasn't as connected as it is today. Yeah. So there was a lot of journey that I had to do by myself. And that's when I got into the the equipment end of things is going through the different brands that were available and figuring out what I like, what I don't like, and just how things work, you know, how physics to play a role in things and yeah. how things, what, how I thought they should be designed. And I bought stuff from all over the place. And granted, a lot of them weren't really designed for that large of an aquarium. Um, so, you know, you tried to double up or you tried to get custom stuff built, but it was all based on just how things were done. And I thought that they should be done a little bit differently, but you can only complain for so long. Mm. And, you know, you come up to that put up or shut up moment and uh, I went for it, I put up and that's where I got involved with MRC. And then here we are today, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I can kind of relate to that because when I was, um, just getting back, uh, well, when I was getting into the hobby, I was living in New York city, you know, in an apartment building. And, uh, I just remember it was a lot of, um, it, it did take a lot of researching to try to figure out how to set up a system, how to set up a tank and get all the different pieces of equipment. And, um, yeah, I, I, and, and what was, um, you know, what I didn't really have available to me was like a local fish store where I can kind of get that guidance and all that stuff. I don't know if that was something that, uh, that you tapped into or not, but it, um, but it, yeah, I just, um, it, 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 it was, it's kind of like an exciting, it was kind of an exciting time, but it was also confusing to me. I remember, uh, one time I was, uh, I, I, I just figured I needed to get some sort of a chilling option my small little, I think it was like a 90 gallon aquarium that I had in this, uh, apartment, which, uh, probably was not uh, supposed to be in the apartment, but, uh, cause we're on a fifth floor or fourth floor, whatever it was. And, and I remember yeah. trying to track down, I, you know, I didn't have the money to buy a chiller or something like that. So I remember going and trying to track down a, um, a decommissioned water cooler in some sort of warehouse in New York city. <laughs> And I found, I got one for, I got the, the, yeah, this doesn't work. If you could figure out how to make it work, then it's yours. And I, you know, I took it and, and, uh, I couldn't figure out how to make it work, but, um, so that's just kind of an oddball <laughs> that, story, but I, I hear what you're saying. That, that, that's, that's funny. Cause I was in the automotive industry and one of the ideas was again, get, trying to solve the, the heat issue, you know, in Atlanta, it gets hot and. I, 
chillers are expensive and then running a chiller is very expensive. So I thought, hey, in the automotive world, we're cooling cars that are hitting much higher temperatures. And, you know, it's the temperature differential that we're looking for. And the, it can pull down a serious temperature differential there. So what if I took that? And you can get a car radiator for very, very mm -hmm. cheap. So I got that, got the fan assemblies, and I'm thinking, all right, I can just run coolant through that and have a titanium barrel that is going to be downstairs or, you know, with my sump, put the the car radiator outside <laughs> and this should work. And I mean, it did. It worked great, except for it was pretty janky because... You know, I had to rig up this 12 volt mm -hmm. system to run those fans and it had to be enough amperage there to keep them going. And, and it's sitting there outside of my house, not really looking so great. And so it just kind of evolved from there. And I came up with a Peltier device that would go inside the mm. home. Uh, and, and that's really dealing more with, with evaporative cooling. Uh, and that thing made a ginormous mess, but it cooled really, really well. Brandon Scott Art says, an old lobster tank was my first chiller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to like yeah. uh, be a little uh, innovative and, and uh, think outside of the box, you know, when you're reefing on a budget, that sort of thing is, uh, is, is, uh, is necessary, you know, and, and um, so, yeah. but I guess these days most people don't need chillers because most people are running LEDs. Well, you know, if they're not, they're pretty soon have to be because those halides just are not available and that, you know, they're forced into it. So there yeah, you go. I, um, I was a, a long, um, time advocate of metal halides and I, I always uh, had, had sworn that I would never go to LEDs, but then I did go to LEDs and I'm not looking back. <laughs> and, I mean, in Atlanta, like in a hot area like that, is, is it, uh, is, is still, a Heat an issue for a reef tank, even lit by LEDs. The most reefers around that, uh, you know, down south have to um, think about ways to keep, you know, the tanks cool, like just keep them in basements or, or something like that, or running the AC in the house, I guess. Is that a common thing? Yeah. I mean, we, yes, we have, we run our ACs almost year round down here, but it gets, it gets yeah. hot and yeah, heat's still an issue because you have other heat sources in your aquarium, right? Yeah. All the pumps that are in there are contributing to it. I mean, your your tank is insulated, so it's maintaining the heat in there. Um, what else? UV, just anything that's really using electricity is giving off some sort of heat. So eventually you do run into those issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just seeing some more comments about... Uh... Radium bulbs, Rich Colombo. I have enough radiums for 10 years. <laughs> I think Chris Meckley has got the same uh, stash of uh, radium bulbs here. Uh, or uh, metal That highlights. stash is worth metal a lot of money. Bulbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that stash is gold yeah, right now. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Raj, I want to I wanna get back to talking about uh, MRC in a little bit, but let's talk about reef builders, man. You, uh, you, bought, you bought reef yeah. builders. What, what's that journey been like in terms of reef builders? You know, that was, um, that was a decision of passion. It's not really a business, wasn't a business decision and still is not a business decision. You know, that was emotional mm -hmm. and, uh, done out of passion. I mean, I know I was friends with Jake, uh, for a long time. I mean, you know, Jake was working at a pet store mm -hmm. in Atlanta, so it, it's go way back and reef builders is 
and back then for me, it was just something so special. And I saw what it can do for brands. And uh, I, I saw what it did for my own brand. You know, when Jake would write something about MRC <clears throat> and it had an immediate <clears throat> impact. And so when you're growing a company, all those little things mean so much. So I, I understood what the power there was, at, you know, f to help the industry. And then you look at where everybody turns to for their news and their information. I mean, it's reef yeah. builders, right? Like where do you, where, where's, what's your go-to source for that type of stuff? It was always reef builders. And the thought of it disappearing, I just, it just didn't sit well with me. And, and, and the thought of it being almost bastardized, right? Becoming something that Jake wouldn't have mm. wanted it to become. Um, I don't know. It just wasn't a great feeling. And so I thought, why not? Let me see if I can keep it going in, you know, the same vision that he had at least. And some of the ideas that he had spoken about, you know, after hours, we we're just chatting things that he wanted to do with the, with the platform and things he wished he could have pulled off with more people and just more funding. And I thought, well, now's the time to give it a shot because obviously Nobody can replace Jake, yeah. right? I'm sure as hell I'm not going to yeah. replace him. But can we do something that honors him and keeps what he built going? And, you know, that's 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 the goal, and that's what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, the, the team is pretty spectacular. It's filled with great people. It's one of the things I, I only want to be and work with people that are good people that I like, that are just genuine and have a genuine love for this hobby and this industry. And, you know, when you're working and you're doing something with passion, you're doing something that you love, you know what the end result is, right? Like it's, it's just so much better. Uh, so that's kind of the goal. That's kind of where we want to go. And hopefully that's where we'll, we'll be. And, you know, people can embrace it. And I think we've gotten over a lot of those humps. I mean, any any uh, major um, challenges that um, you know come to the top of mind in terms of trying to achieve the objectives? <laughs> oh gosh, yes. There's there's <laughs> always challenges. You know, uh, it, it's funny. There's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of support, um, and then there was a lot of anti-support. <laughs> right? There's a lot of vitriol that came out. Um, some of my favorite comments were just they were so angry and there's just people that were like, you suck. You're not Jake Adams. You're oh never going to be Jake Adams. And it was just went on like that. I was like, Holy crap. Okay. Yeah, this is great. Um, but you know, just, I guess people expecting it to be yeah. the same and it can't yeah, be the impossible. same and it's impossible. Right. And then just them getting disappointed and angry because it's not the same. And that that was a difficult hurdle and just kind of people getting hung up on it. And and it was difficult because, you know, Windsor is part of the mm -hmm. company and she can see and she reads all the comments. And it, one of the things that she does is social media. And so she's uh, answering all these people. And when the, a lot of those comments were coming back and just the negativity was really getting her getting to her, you know, it was really, I mean, who wants yeah, to hear all of sense. that? Uh, they've, 
they've just lost the, the love of the life and they're, now they're having to deal with all of this. That was really, really difficult because I wanted to go just nuclear <laughs> on people. And, and that's usually not a good idea in social media. You know, it's not yeah, a good idea. Gotta... No, it, it's not. But yeah. And, and so just kind of balancing all of that was, was, was a challenge. Um, you know, balancing the, just different, uh, different aspects of what was going on in the world. And yeah, lots yeah. of challenges. Chris Carney, it takes a team and thank you, Raj. Um, John Wright, Remy is great and hope you can eventually get Mark back. Tyler uh, C88, I think what you did with Rebuilders is awesome. You've done a great job awesome. keeping Thank it you. going, in my opinion. Um, Chris C. Raj, do you even reef, bro? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I got a lot of, I, I got a lot about my uh, my Wall Street picture. Ah. Gosh, man! If I if I had to redo that one, maybe I would have put a pick with me in a tank. Yeah, but, you know that that was one of those where uh, Marissa just asked me for a headshot, and I was like, "Oh, okay, here's my headshot." I didn't even think yeah. about it. it. It wasn't like, something that was guy, on my right? mind. It wasn't. Oh God, yes. I mean, talk about not really thinking things through. Was, I I didn't even think about it at all. I was just like, "Oh, this is a great picture of me. Here you go," because that's what I use on the business side of things. Uh, in the business world, is that headshot? So I heard headshot. I spit Most out. Most people headshot. only have one headshot. So when you're asked for it, that's what you well, send along, it. right? Yeah, yeah, that's what right. you send. I, I've learned now more, that I need more than, more one, than headshot, one headshot. Yeah. <laughs> um, big ES. People were pretty rough and Raj and Remy in the beginning. Glad to see them prove those people wrong. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's dude. I um, you know I don't know how you navigated through all that negativity, but um, kudos to you to uh, you know rising above it. And you know it's a um, it's tough because like I was you know we're we're just uh, you know kind of making fun of. It's like you can't go nuclear on uh, on social media, and, and usually yeah. the uh, the best thing to do is to just ignore the uh, the trolls. But um, you know sometimes it gets a little uh, too personal, and you got to figure out a way to handle it behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, personal attacks is, is one thing like people telling me that I suck. Okay. That, that's fine. It, what bothered me more was like when they would go after uh, Remy and, you know, just part of the team, the, the team members, it, that would bother me more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple of random questions from the viewers here. Um, sure. So Parma reef, you, uh, I had a comment or question before that uh, I thought was, um, oh, the uh, comment was about shipping and, and about me winding down shipping corals across the country. And, and so I guess the question potentially to talk about is how do we feel about the current state of coral shipping? I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that, Raj? Mm. I mean, corals, just corals, period. I think there's going to be some pretty big shakeups, you know, um, over the next... I don't know how many years, but these international shipments are going to get tighter and tighter. Um, so it's going to be very heavy aquaculture. Yeah, yeah. I think what um, so what Apartment Reef is referring to. I um, you know, I sell uh, I sell corals online. I ship across the United States. Yeah, you know, out of my uh, basement, um, um, you know, um, a coral farm here. So, and you know, for me, living in Vermont, or it's a rural area. My uh, costs for shipping are, um, you know, higher than other parts of the states that are more, um, you know, lo located to, um, you know, closer to cities and what have you. Any anyway, the, the net net is I decided to um, 
slowly bow out of the shipping business because it's so freaking expensive and just the rely oh, the reliability God, yeah. of the uh, the next day air service and all that sort of thing with delays and and um you know packages taking two days to get there and doas and trying to like go crazy and filing claims it's like forget about it you know it's like it's oh shipping is a bear these days i mean yeah like you said it's super expensive uh the guarantees are all gone and the claims process is murder right you know like obviously i don't sell live stock but we we just i mean we had an order that went out over six months ago they the freight company completely trashed it and we still haven't gotten a resolution from them you know i mean we we we're doing everything we can. We we just have to redo it, fund it, and move on. But you need still, a full time yeah. person really to fight. Yes, to to do the claim stuff. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, I yeah. I spend like hours, you know, over like a fifty dollar, uh, you know, trying to get a fifty dollar <laughs> credit or something like that. It's not a good use of my time. Yeah. But I I just nope. feel like um you know uh, it, it's not right. You know, and I there there needs to be justice done. So I, I feel like I uh, it's it's worth the fight in the fight. But you know, I think what um, I've I've been kind of like wondering about, and I've, I've seen some other uh, folks. I think Paletta Paletta did write an article on Reef Builders about this in terms of the um, you know some things going on in the hobby and and local fish stores uh, really feeling the pinch and and um, some sellers um, going by the wayside. But you know, I, I kind of wonder in terms of the. Uh, online coral business and what that's going to look like in a few years if we keep going the way we're going with the uh, the shipping business and it's just it's it's so freaking expensive and and just the with the reliability issues i think um it's 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 tough it, the uh, the overhead is huge it is and i can see it becoming more of a seasonal thing where <laughs> people in the colder locations aren't going to ship certain yeah. months you know i mean that's just going to kind of have to be what it is or get better packing material. I mean, it, at a certain point it's tough, but you know, you can't rely on that next day service anymore. So you have to pretty much pack as if though it's going to take yes, two days. Yes. I've, I've started to, um, yeah. about a year ago, I think it was, I started to, um, pack all my corals with oxygen, you know, oxygen and, um, put activated carbon in the bags and all that sort of thing. And, and yep. by and large things do make it two days. You know, I've got a pretty good track record and, I think the uh, the one wild card is temperature. So if um, yeah. if a box is sitting out in the cold weather and you got heat packs, I've I've done experiments myself where I've put like uh, heat packs in box, you know, and left it outside in like forty to fifty degree weather overnight, and um, which is probably not realistic because if a uh, box is sitting in a hub overnight and it's being delayed, it's probably not going to be that cold. But um, I did do that kind of extreme test and it didn't turn out well. You know, even with the heat packs <laughs> I had in there, the uh, yeah. the temperatures got down into like the uh, the high um, high fifties. So it's um, it's tough. But um, yeah. I mean, a, a general question from Ellery: What um, and the and the question comment is so due to the economy and inflation, how does uh, Raj think the industry will react to the number of hobbyists decreasing? I guess that's what um, Paletta was saying mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, the pandemic. We had a big boon of people entering the uh, the hobby, and now the economy is uh, is kind of turning around a little bit, and and some folks seemingly are getting out of the hobby. 
I mean, you, you do get people that leave the hobby, but the one thing that seems pretty stable with hobbies is the fact that it is a hobby and people want them. And because it's not a need, it's a mm. want, you, you always have that cycle. So you're going to get people on the fringes, right? People are just bail completely and say, ah, I, I just can't afford to have this hobby. But in the most part, people stay in their hobbies and people enter the hobby as it, you know, as time goes on. Uh, so I don't really think that's going to have much of an effect. It'll change the way that people do things. So, you know, in a down economy, maybe people don't buy as much. Um, maybe they just take longer to buy things like right. that. But, you know, there's so many creative finance options now where you've got pretty much every website that'll offer you terms on things and you, know, you can do payments. That's, and that's crazy. I hell, think, but, uh... <laughs> it, it's, re it's really crazy. I mean, I, I bought a, I bought a thermostat the other day on Amazon and it just popped up. I was like, Hey, do you want to pay this, pay us over three months? There's no fees or anything. We'll just, instead of a hundred bucks, we'll charge you $33 a month. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll take the 33 a month option just because yeah. why not? Do you guys, uh, <laughs> well, you guys don't do any direct to, to consumer type of stuff, right? So you don't, yeah. We yeah. don't No, We're just yeah, B2B. Yeah. 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 yeah I, 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 I see that all the time and I'm like, well, I'm, that's not something I would even consider doing. <laughs> so I want to, I want to collect all the money <laughs> right up front and uh, leave it at that. Yeah. Well, for the vendor, you know, this now goes back to my automotive days. The vendor gets their money up front. They just take a small hit, and the finance company, they wait for their money. Right. Yeah. 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 But you know, as the margins get thinner, that becomes tougher to do. So have to make sure you're dealing in the right goods. John Wright, uh, lots are getting out of our hobby who have been, have had tanks for years, but can't afford to run their tanks anymore in England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw this question pop up before. Um, Bucky um, Solomon, Solomon? Pronouncing probably wrong. What's your favorite, uh, so this is uh, Raj, what's your fa favorite reef project to work on? Where does um, Polo Reef rank? Among all the uh, projects, so <laughs> I guess maybe um, maybe we should back up a little bit and just uh, explain a little bit, okay. uh, Raj, about MRC and what uh, what you guys do there in terms of products sold and services. And sure, yeah. So we're we're a science based um, manufacturer, right? We do actual R and D, and it's we're we're based here in the U.S. Hundred percent of the manufacturing is controlled <laughs> in our own facility. And what I mean by science based, we we do research and development on products and it takes multiple years to actually go through those trials. So we go through and we go through the scientific pr uh, process when we come up with something. So let's say we, uh, we create a skimmer. We're going to select a pump or we're going to be involved in the creation of that pump and we're going to see what it's capable of doing and what we can make it do. And then we will create a skimmer body that works specifically for that pump. And the way that most skimmers are built is there's a generic skimmer body built and they slap a pump on it and there you go, it's mm -hmm. a new model, right? You will have the same body, different decals, maybe different pumps, and they're different skimmer models. Now, we'll then use those skimmers on test systems and then we'll also put them into public aquariums and get their nice. feedback on what they're doing. So, you know, you can calculate there's pretty known givens. Like if I'm eating a 
pound of food a day, I we can calculate what kind of waste that's going to produce, and then you can calculate how, what's going to what it's going to take to remove that waste. And so when you're using those numbers to create the entire product line, you have very accurate or as accurate as possible um, ranges for what that product can apply to. And then we get that secondary feedback from the public aquariums because they are notorious for abusing those mm. those ratings. If you tell them this is good for a thousand gallons, they're going to stick it on a two thousand <laughs> gallon tank. They're going to overload it. You know, pretty pretty typical. Uh, kind of what, what I did with my tank anyway. But and then we can adjust from there. But we're mostly known for our much larger gear. We do deal with a lot of high end builds, a lot of public aquarium <laughs> stuff. So you know brought up Andrew Sandler. He obviously uses a lot yeah. of our equipment and, uh, you know, his office tank that's going in the 2500 is good, is all fully decked out with our equipment. And that finally gets all finished. I saw, and I saw it in so, person this past uh, fall, man. That thing is like, that is oh, yeah? a work of, uh, I mean, I was, I, I, I was drooling just over that 2,500 gallon tank versus like the 17,000 gallon tank, but yeah. 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 Pretty, uh, pretty sick. Um, all right, you know what? I kind of screwed up because I diverted to MRC, but I wasn't <laughs> done asking you questions about reef builders. So we're gonna we're gonna pivot okay. back to reef builders, but then we're gonna get into the thick of it in terms of um, in terms of MRC. So what I wanted to talk to you about was content on um, you know social media content, and uh, I guess you know specifically the uh, the YouTube channel. What um, so you guys have been continuing the uh, the reef therapy, and I, I see that uh, you have different, uh, seeming like a different uh, series of hosts. So um, that's pretty cool. Is is that the uh, the game plan moving forward? Is to kind of just mix it up in terms of the uh, the the hosts for uh, reef therapy? Yeah. So you know, just bringing in guests. Um, we had to shake it up. We had to try some different things, and you know, bring in. We wanted to bring in some other just information, other viewpoints. And so guests were always kind of part of that consideration. And, um, you know, Remy and I are still going to be, I guess the main, the, the, the co-hosts, uh, Remy does an amazing job without him. I think it would be, it, it would be a disaster if I had to lead that. So I'm very, very lucky and honored that he's, he, he's up for that challenge and really taking and that he's role. in the chat there. Bahama Lama Coral. What's up there, Remy? Oh, look at that. <laughs> What's up, Remy? <laughs> if I knew he was going to be listening, I wouldn't be saying nice things about him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, just uh, bringing in some different perspectives uh, with guests is right now the the game plan. And then then we have ladies take over. Right. So getting that viewpoint has been pretty spectacular. Yes, yes. You know, I uh, I was I was thinking of, um, I wanted to do an episode of Rapping with Reef Bum where I would have my wife be the host, so I would like take the night off, and and she would interview the um, the better half of um, you know one of my prior guests, and oh and, that's cool. Um, it's just man, it hasn't worked out because <laughs> keep keep uh, the you know and I, I, I you know my wife is, <laughs> is 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 would be an, I think an awesome host, but she's never you know done a live stream or anything like that, but. The uh, the potential guests that were you know I've been trying to like reach out to it's just not getting a hundred percent buy in on that so if anybody's <laughs> got any ideas on that end um, feel free to reach out to me to make any recommendations but uh, I don't know man then you guys started doing the uh, the the ladies uh, the hosting show I was like ah let let 
let reef uh you know therapy run with that yeah it's it's i i think that's going to be a lot of fun and i i hope so far you know we've gotten a lot of great commentary on it and a lot of support so uh i hope that continues amy says more ladies takeovers please <laughs> oh they're in the works they're definitely in the works um john right love the ladies therapy yeah it's pretty cool um waiter oh, the ladies are good yes for sure uh yeah. john right remy is amazing all right we're getting a lot of uh a lot of love for the reef <laughs> therapy uh hosts yeah for sure um that's good so and and um on the um I guess you could say the uh, print side. Is that what we could say? The blog side? I guess the, so. The blog, sure. blog side of things. Yeah. Is, is the plan still to have uh, like the Palettas and the Sanjays out there contribute content? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've got some, uh, we've got some fresh talent that are going to be contributing some articles here. Uh, we've got some big plans this year. So you'll see some new names in there. Um, and then obviously some of the old names, you know, like the Palettas and the Sanjays, that they're not going anywhere. Um, and then Jeremy, you know, he's our, he's our senior, uh, writer and yep. editor. And so he churns out a lot of content and he's, he's actually located in the UK. So he scours uh, all of Europe for news, just trying to be, you know, trying to get everybody, all the stuff that's going on first and get you information directly from the sources. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, uh, I think that's very useful. Like you're saying, I mean, basically reef builders is kind of seen as the authority in terms of news industry news. So I think that's absolutely definitely, um, an important part of what you guys do and good to hear that, um, you're, you're, um, you know, got those plans. So, uh, um, definitely more MRC questions. All right, we'll get back to those. Uh, restock. Let's talk about restock. So yeah. it, uh, is it basically the two restock shows coming in 2024 going to be Denver and Chattanooga? Denver and okay. Chattanooga. Yep. So Denver is coming up now pretty soon, March 2nd and 3rd. And then Chattanooga towards the end of the year, um, end of August, 24th and 25th. And what about Australia? No, no commitment yet for Australia or has that changed the plans change there? Now, not Australia this year, but we have not abandoned Australia. We're still trying to sort that out. You know, we, we ran into some issues with that show. So um, it got, it, that was a difficult, really, really difficult and very expensive decision yeah, to yeah. have to back yeah. out of that. You know, um, people don't quite realize that it's not just, oh, we're not doing it. It's, there's a lot of money that, uh, has to be paid out and that goes just right down the yeah, drain that, that must have been a tough decision um very because i've never been to australia mm. uh neither of my wife so you know I, I think a lot of people on on our side were very excited to have a work reason to go out there <laughs> and um yeah delivering that news was not yeah. good <laughs> not good so if you want to if you want to have a a spouse on to hear about how big of an asshole I am about canceling that and all <laughs> all kinds of other things, let me know. <laughs> uh, you got one of your clients in the chat there, Polar Reef by Andrew Sandler. What's happening, there, Andrew? Um, any plans for other U.S. cities, or are you pretty much going to stick to a two city formula? We looked at a lot of cities, um, and we would love to actually move the show around a bit just to get, 
you know, to bring it to some new places. East Coast. And... Northeast. Hey, <laughs> Chattanooga's no, East North, Coast. North, yeah, Northeast, Northeast yeah. is definitely, Northeast is definitely, you know, a consideration there. But it's it's very difficult to get a venue that can support and that will support a reef show. You know, we're, de- we're dealing with water. Uh, a lot of venues don't want that or yeah. their requirements or fees are really high because of that. Um, hotel rates and then just things to do around there. You know, I mean, there, there's some great venues that reached out and they're like, bring it here. We'll give you a sweetheart deal. We'll fly you out. Come check, you know, come stay here for the weekend and we'll, we'll show you the ropes. But yeah, it, it's I'm tough. I'm seeing uh, Great Bearded Reef Paul says, come to Boston. Amy says, Toronto. <laughs> Josh Allen, we need a, New York, a real New York City show, not in the slums of New Jersey. <laughs> let's, uh, let's not get into, uh, into the, uh, the gutter there. I would, I'd love to do a real New York so City show. So talking about a real show, I mean, I, I remember Jake saying yeah. that, uh, you know, he was, he, was, he was talking to me, um, you know, before um, he passed and he was saying like, oh, you got to come to Restock. You got to come to, it's like a real, you know, it's a real show. It's different. What, um, you know, what, uh, any plans in terms of Restock and uh, is the format going to be pretty much what it has been, or are you guys going to be tweaking it along the way? Oh, no, we did, we did some tweaks last year, which went really well. And so we've got some new tweaks this year in the mix. And, you know, as the show, as we get them under our feet, we've, we've got some new ideas that are going to be put in place. A lot of things, you know, I've been on both sides. I've been an attendee and I've been a vendor. So I know what I want, what I personally wanted as a vendor. And I know what I wanted to see as an attendee. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from other vendors and from other attendees to see, you know, are these ideas out of line? And then we have all the things that Jake wanted to explore and do. Um, And, you know, not all of them are going to work out. That's just kind of the nature of the beast is that some ideas sound great, but maybe they don't play out well in reality. So, yeah, we've got we've got some new things in motion and we're slowly rolling them out. Uh, you know, Evie's our show manager and she's got, she's got a lot to deal with when it comes to that, but she's really owning it. Um, and I'm super, super thankful and excited for that because it's a lot of work and there's a lot of moving parts, but the team she's put together is phenomenal. So I have no doubt that it's going to be a lot of fun is we're, we're still keeping the, I guess the original spirit mm. of the show is Jake wanted it to be more personable, you know, not the, not these giant shows where you just get lost and you don't really get to hang out with people that you want to hang out with and have that community. And so we want to keep that sense of community and keep that sense of the, what I call the aquarium lifestyle yeah. going, you know? Well, I went, uh, I went to the, to the show last year and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, uh, it was a blast. I, I really enjoyed myself and it was just, uh, That's yeah, good. it was, um, it, it definitely reminded me more of kind of like a frag swappy type of show versus like an industry, um, you know, kind of, um, trade show type of deal. So yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. hybrid, you know? And so we've got, more speakers yep. now than traditionally in the past because we've ramped up that education side of it. Uh, we limit the number of coral vendors that are going to be there because we don't want it just to be 
a big coral yeah. swap. Um, you know, predominantly, and we want to provide value for the coral vendors that are there. And then you have part trade show. Uh, and so you have your manufacturers, but we're also really pushing for workshops where mm. attendees can get hands on experience and training on the equipment that they're interested in, or maybe they're afraid of as I mean, this was many years ago. We did this at an MRC booth, but we ran a calcium reactor workshop. And we did this multiple years. And it was really interesting, the feedback we got. And that it's, you know, I mean, you can read about it. You can talk about it online. But having somebody walk you through, this is how you actually set it up. And this is how you tune it. And this is how you use it. And this is why. That makes a big difference. Yeah, you know, and, and calcium reactors are complicated because um, especially if you're getting into the hobby and you've never used one before, there, there's a lot of different variables in play that can uh, impact what you're putting out in terms of that DKH. So, yeah, I think um, yep. hands-on and, uh, you know, aquascaping, that's always like a lot of fun to uh, to see people, um, you know, do those kind of like demonstrations uh, live or yep. in, in person. So it's, um, yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, Polo1126, thank you so much for that super chat. Glad I can catch some of this one. Uh, did I miss how Raj's tank is coming along? Oh, he's asking about the tank. Oh, <laughs> always got to get burned. <laughs> it's um, So I had some trouble with one part of the sump. And, and I say I had trouble because um, I changed what I wanted it to look like, um, overcomplicating mm. it. And finally got that sorted out. And I specifically spent time, like we're going to just dedicate some time right now. We're stopping work and we're going to work on this sump. And so that's almost done now. Um, so as soon as the sump is done, I can start plumbing this thing and getting some oh, water. So it's in not it. even we wet have yet, made huh? progress. <laughs> no, but this is huge progress. <laughs> and, and for those of us that don't know how big of the tank, uh, how big of a system is this and uh, it takes uh, 120 gallons. It's uh, 72 by 24 by 16 tall, rimless. Nice, nice. I, yeah. I like the uh, the height. I think um, I've always traditionally had 24 inch tall tanks, and for the first time, my my latest tank, my Peninsula tank, I did a 20 inch tall Peninsula tank, and it's um, you know um, mm. six foot long by three foot wide, and I'm really digging the the uh, the the um, you know the shorter the the less uh, height on the yeah. tank. I really like it. Yeah. See, I'm terrified of it because this is going to be a very, very big challenge for me. Um, I'm used to now working with much, much larger aquariums. So I have more height, more length, more width. And I, I, my office nano cube back in the day was an utter failure because I just, I wanted to put too much in it mm. and it looked great, but it just, it failed because I, it failed for me because I couldn't put all the things I wanted to put in it and it frustrated me. So I had to get rid of it. Now this one is going, there's a whole bunch of different challenges. There's, so there's no sand. I've never done mm. that before in my tank. You know, it's, it's short, it's rimless, like all these things that I've never yeah. done for my personal tank, I'm now doing on this aquarium. And it's, it's going to take a lot of meditation, probably, um, <laughs> patience, <laughs> scotch, yeah. What's uh, yeah. mixed reef? What kind of uh, animals are you gonna have in there? Coral wise, I'm a big I'm a big mixed yeah. reef fan. Um, 
because I, I love the different colors. I love the different textures, the movement, but I'm not a hundred percent sure yet what direction I will take. I do know that I'm going to do only aquacultured corals. Um, a couple of questions and comments. So Remy says, uh, <laughs> ask about the lights though. <laughs> He's teeing it up there uh, for, uh, see, this is what I get yeah. for saying nice things about him. Yeah. So at it, the light saga, right? I, I decided I, I had to try and become or be fancy with this thing and decided to go with a Chihuly look, which is this blown glass. Uh, he does these blown glass exhibits, artwork. And I guess the timing hit where these glass blowers were going to do a lot of, I mean, it's right there at the holidays. So they're doing all these Christmas ornaments and really not much time for my stupid light project. So that has gone absolutely nowhere. I don't have one single piece from it yet, but rich said he is going to make me some, I just have to send him info. So at least I might get some for rich and eventually these local glass blowers will get there. So, Get so their mojo me, going. I, I'm, I'm not fully understanding the concepts. You're getting a glass blower to do what? <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I was trying to do is hide the oh, the okay. lights, and I wanted to do. I looked, I looked on Wayfair, and I looked on Amazon, and you know, just looked for chandeliers like these. I guess yeah, hanging light fixtures, and something that I could hide a reef light into, gotcha. you know, maybe just something that's already pre-made prefabbed and it's going to look more, uh, I guess it's going to look, look less reef, yes. reef yeah. tank like, and more like a designer piece in yeah. a home. Um, and so that was where I started off. And then I don't know how I got into this whole Chihuly thing, but then I thought, wow, that's going to look amazing. Let me see if I can find somebody to do that. And you know, just complicated. I'm going to have to uh, Google that. Check that out. Um, Rich Colombo, live rock or dry rock? You're doing dry rock, right? You're not, you're not, you're not dry a live rock. rock guy. Yep. I think we I'm debated that when guy. I was on Reef Therapy. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what gave, uh, that's what gave Remy his reef scabies. Yes. I wonder how Remy's um, Carib Sea Life Rock is doing. I haven't seen any. Has there been an update on that? I don't know, Remy. You can chime in there in the, uh, on the chat, but... Um, I don't know. I, I have not had the, the greatest experience with my um, Carib Sea Life Rock. Not to knock any manufacturers out there, but um, it's um, it's been an, an algae-producing uh, um, deal. But um, oh wow! So getting back to the uh, to the height of the tank. So the reason why I like the twenty-inch uh, tall tank is because well, for aquascaping purposes, because I, I I started that tank with live rock. So I didn't have like one of these uh, fancy, um, you know, um, dry rock scapes put together by putty and rods and super glue and all yeah. that stuff. So I just, um, I had um, the uh, KP Aquatics live rock that I, that I bought about uh, over 100, 100 pounds of it. And so it, it was easy because in terms of aquascaping, I just pretty much had stacked two layers of the rock. Uh, and, and, you know, try to be, um, um, you know, try to, try to put together an interesting design that way. But the fact that it was only 20 inches tall to me, 
I didn't really feel like I needed to go three, uh, three, you know, three layers of rock versus the two layers of rock. So it made it easier. And um, I also think that um, a lot of people do make that mistake, I think, of trying to kind of aquascape all the way to the top of the tank and not factor in yep. the uh, growth of the corals. But um, so mine is a bare bottom as well, and I've got a lot of flow cranking in there, and, and it's an SPS dominant tank. Well, it, well, it was. I'm in the process of uh, resetting it. But it, it produced a lot of tabling acros, which I thought was a really cool effect. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, uh, I, I like it, but uh, yeah, I, I can see where it's, it's different. You know, it is different. Yeah, like aquascaping, that's going to be challenging. I mean, how how do you aquascape 16 inches of height? And, and you have to have some rock, but then you're allowing room for coral. Well, that doesn't really mm -hmm. leave you a whole yeah. lot of room. Yeah, that's that's what's going to be the biggest struggle for me. Like, I'm going to have a very very difficult time. Have with you this tank. Uh, thought about in terms of what kind of dry rock you're going to be putting in there, or not yet? Yeah, there's a couple of options actually, and uh, I'm kind of excited to to see uh, each one and kind of weigh it out and i haven't picked the one yet but i'm leaning heavily towards one but i don't want to name it yet in case it ends yeah. up not being yeah. the one but yeah I'm, I'm excited about all the new uh like you know fake rock that's that's available these days there's a lot of good products out there and there's just a lot of selection which is great and what's your uh, game plan in terms of cycling the tank or getting getting that rock seeded um, I, I mean, I'll use the concentrated, uh, bacterias, but, um, you know, ideally, I don't know. It, usually what I've done is I've taken seed sand from an existing yeah. system, but since this one's not going to have a sand bed, I may just go ahead and try this, uh, the straight chemical route and see what I can just naturally produce. I mean, eventually I'm going to have to have some microfauna in there, so I'll need to introduce that yeah. somehow. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Amy says, my tank is 18 inches tall and my scape turned out great. Sand to water level is about 16 inches. Um, and she also says, we we believe in you, Raj. <laughs> <laughs> At least somebody does, because I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> um, all right, man. So let's dig a, a little you know, bit deeper into uh, MRC. And I think somebody... Um, I think it was Paul asked this question early on in the chat when you we were talking about uh, your reef keeping journey, and I think we didn't we didn't um, get to how you actually got to MRC. Oh wow, yeah, I mean that was that was totally by accident because it was a local company and um, ended up meeting Tim. We hit it off, and I was at that put up or shut up moment and thought, okay, let's do mm -hmm. this. And that was it. Jumped right into the middle of it and haven't looked um, back. Haven't looked back. Yeah. You know, bought the company. Um, and then we just took it from where it was and where it was going to where it is now. A completely different direction. And, ha and how did you guys get into the um to the big fabrications? You know, I mean that's that's certainly a uh, unique side of the business. Yeah. I mean that was you know, back when China was just really entering the aquatics market and what I saw happening or what was going to happen is that they were going to come in and offer just rock bottom pricing on products. And like, take a look at the reef octopus uh, protein skimmer. If you look at what 
price point mm-hmm. they entered the market in and what price point they're in now. It's completely mm-hmm. different animals. So I knew what, what was going to happen is they're going to drive the pricing down way below any domestic manufacturer can do. I mean, they were selling complete products for the less for less than the cost of materials alone. Wow. Now, obviously, there's different grades of material, but it it didn't even matter. You know, it was just so cheap, and that was a race to the bottom that I had no intention of winning. So, just kind of looking at that landscape, saying, "Well, where, what part of the market can I pivot to, to where we're going to have, we're going to be somewhat shielded mm-hmm. against that." And so that's where we shifted away from that mid-market and moved a little bit higher end and then moved into the industrial end because there was really no, not many companies dealing with the large-scale things. Right? So their large-scale equipment in the U.S. was handled primarily by one manufacturer. Mm. Well, I like those <laughs> odds. Uh, and so here we are, but we're the new guys, you know, and we're, we're – unproven tech in that space. And it wasn't an easy journey. We had a lot of work to do to prove that what we're doing and the way we're doing it, because it's different than what's been done in the past and the way that the current leader in that space is doing it, we had to convince a lot of people and prove to them that what we're doing is going to work and that it's better. Right. So it was, it was a big risk, but it ended up paying off. So at w- what percent would you say at this point is, um, you know, commercial, you know, your, your, uh, what percent of your business is like commercial versus hobbyist? Oh, wow. There's a lot of crossover there. So it's tough to tell because, you know, like Andrew's a right. hobbyist, but his is a commercial yeah. size system, right? So his system takes all of our iSeries products and he's not the only one. There is a lot of guys out there and girls that are doing these large scale systems in a home or in their business that, you know, technically would have been our public aquarium line. But so there's a lot of crossover there that we haven't tough, makes it tough for us to really calculate that. Cause the easy thing is you just look at skews and say, is it this skew or is it that skew? But yeah, no, it's, Sounds I don't like know. a hybrid, a lot of uh, hybrid and yeah, there hi- is. hybrid there, accounts. Yeah, 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 there are. So, but you know, I mean, really, you're looking at if I had to take it 60 40, you know, 60% on the industrial side, 40% on the, um, let's say, hobby side. So, you guys are pretty much custom fabrication in terms of tanks, sumps, skimmers, reactors, the whole nine yards, correct? Yeah, so we have obviously just stock products, you know, stock models, but full customization. And a lot of our products are going to be just custom done. So if you, if it's custom, if it's an aquarium, we don't offer your standard 75, 120, 150. It's a custom aquarium. Um, you know, our industrial sump or most of our sumps that are going out, they're custom sumps. But we're the only full line aquatics manufacturer in the world. So we have products that are that can be used for small aquariums all the way up to industrial, including the exhibits mm. themselves. So it's, it's really interesting how we've kind of morphed into that, but yeah, tons of custom work. And that that's where I can get my creative out output, you know, is, is, is on those custom and in terms jobs. Of tanks, you guys are doing both acrylic and glass. 
Yeah, so with the glass, we do our hybrid aquarium where it's glass with a fully CNC'd uh, Euro brace top. Um, that's acrylic and then acrylic overflow. And then you have a layered bottom. And so you get kind of the best of all worlds. You get your glass sides, you get a bottom that is unbreakable and you can drill wherever you want to, however you want to. I ain't drilling the bottom of any tank. I'll tell you that much. I don't care if it's like a <laughs> bulletproof. You say it's bullet. I ain't putting any holes in the bottom of my tanks. I just, uh, I don't, ah, I don't, I don't do like it. bulkheads on the bottom of the tank or underneath the water line. I just, I get a little queasy about the little, little skittish about that. Yeah, just use good quality bulkheads and you're oh, good to go. Man. If you use the cheap ones, uh, you're begging for trouble. But I, uh, you know, I, I, I hear you. I get yeah, it. It's just, it's a, it's a thing I that it. I have. But uh, I know. L listen, yep. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to go because you could do a closed loop and and you get some great flow yep. going on the bottom of a tank. So um, yeah, but there's always risk. I mean, that's there. There is always risk with anything, right? But the in the larger tanks, your flow the closed loops are still the best way to get that flow in the centers of the aquarium where your, your powerheads aren't going to yeah. reach no matter how powerful these powerheads are. You know, they just can't get through your rock work and closed loop can. Um, so Sturgis reef is making a comment. Um, that must be tough bonding glass to acrylic. I've heard that before is, is, um, what do you say to that, uh, Raj in terms of those two different materials being bonded together? Absolutely. It's a multi-step process. So it's not like, you know, glass to glass, you're, you're siliconing them together and it's very somewhat simple to do, but to get it to adhere to PVC, uh, and adhere well, it's a difficult process that has to be done and timed just right. And every step has to be done just right. So yeah, it is very difficult to do. Um, so a custom aquarium, let's say, um, What's like the minimum size custom aquarium you would do for a hobbyist? I mean, uh, that's kind of a loaded question because we, you know, we, we don't really, we can build anything, but just at our scale, we're not really geared to do the smaller stuff efficiently enough. Um, so, you know, other manufacturers can do that and get it to you at a much better price than we could. Uh, but, we get clients that come through that want an MRC tank. And so we've done them as small as 15 really? gallons. And wow. yeah, and it'll be something that I'm trying to talk them out of be like, Hey, just tell your client to go do this. <laughs> and, but they, they want it. So for whatever reason, they wanted us to do it and we'll do it. But, um, I've gotten better about just saying no on stuff like that. But you know, I guess what, uh, my tank is 120 gallons, so 100 gallon plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What about features of the uh, different aquariums? Do you do you get clients that come to you and say, "I want this, that, and the other thing," and you you find you guys find yourselves talking them out of certain things? Like you know, you mentioned uh, oh, a yeah. rimless tank. I have never been brave enough to have a rimless tank. I've always gone with Eurobrace tanks. You know, I always thought that Eurobrace tanks were um, were a great uh, you know great thing to have, but. Um, Talk, talk to us about stuff that you guys would consider to be, um, you know, standard in your kind of custom aquarium builds. Well, like you, I like the Eurobase brace tanks, you know, the, I get it. The rimless tank is yeah, sexy, cool. 
but it lo looks cool when you're when you're looking at it from a structural perspective right the, the engineer in me is saying the euro brace is the better way to go i mean it is it's stronger and it does provide you with some protection against spills yeah. uh, you stick your hand in there and that water level goes up or you're creating a wave the euro brace does contain that and so that you know, things like that are are where I and we guide people towards. Um, it, and people will have these ideas that we know are just going to be awful. <laughs> it's going to look great, yeah. but we, you know, you have to think ahead on the functionality side of it. It's like, will they be able to access these small little things, details that they want in the tank? Are they going to be able to access it to clean it? And it, because it might look spectacular day one, but as soon as you start getting all of that, the growth, yeah. right, in your biofilms and all of the, all the microfauna in there, it doesn't look so great yeah. anymore. So it's just things like that. And it's telling people these small details that they want are not going to work like they think they're going to work. And just having to tell them those hard truths makes it difficult. What about overflows? I've always gone with a custom aquarium um, the last, I don't know how many years that I've had, um, you know, in terms of my, my aquariums. But I've always gone with external overflows because... Whatever um, mass manufacturer I would look at in terms of uh, aquariums, they wouldn't have an external overflow. They would always have like an, in, an internal overflow. And I always thought that um, that was such a hindrance in terms of flow inside the tank. It, um, it doesn't look great. You know, you get the coralline algae going on and the other uh, stuff growing on that stuff. And, and uh, it's just not a good look. So I've always gone with external overflows. I mean, is that something you always try to steer people towards? I'm a bigger fan you of like, internal really? overflows. I, I love them. Um, and in most applications, the space doesn't have space or the room doesn't oh. have space for that external overflow, right? You need to be able to hide that somewhere. And when it's outside of that tank, you're going to have to encase it in or it needs to be on a built-in yeah. or something like that. Um, if it's internal, you can have your aquarium just backed up to a wall and any room and it's going to be functional and look right. And if done right, it can be hidden. Right. Right. So you can kind of like have a, uh, almost like kind of a, um, yeah, like a little hidden, hidden compartment on the inside of the, uh, the tank. Yeah. So what we like to do is trapezoidal overflows because they blend in and just disappear. So if it's a black back with a trapezoidal overflow, you just don't see that it's there as long as you keep it clean. Um, big ES, uh, Asking clear or black silicone? What do you like? What do you guys? I like bl I like black silicone, uh, and that's what most like ninety nine percent of people are choosing. Yeah, yeah. we offer both, yeah. and we even had uh, white, but white. I didn't like the white really? at all. Ooh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Not even. Not yeah. sure I've ever seen a white uh, silicone tank. That's a good reason why <laughs> I, I hated, I hated the look, just hated the look, but Hey, thinking outside the box, right? Hey, somebody's yeah, got to try, try it. I, I think well, the guy loved it. The client loved it. So as long as he loved it, that's great. Yes. It's all that matters. Um, Amy, I'd hundred percent go your brace on any tank larger than what I have now. Yeah. I, your brace is also great because you could put like stuff on top of it. Like when you're doing maintenance stuff, on the yeah. tank. And, yeah. and that's always, um, um, all right. Bucky, uh, Solomon is asking, how does the, uh, integrated HOUV work on the MRC sumps? Uh, does it have enough, uh, dwell time to kill the, uh, velvet slash ick? 
Um, let, let's yeah, let's let's back yeah. up a little bit and talk about the um, the custom sumps, uh, Raj. What uh, what's what's different with those okay. uh, sumps versus what what else you can get on the market? So you're talking about the uh, our yeah. eye sump, which is what yeah. he's referencing. Yeah, I mean those. It, it's it's funny because those we created for the public aquarium market, and that's where they stayed for years. And I don't remember. I think it was Jake. Jake actually posted about it because he came by, he saw it and was like, oh my God, that thing's phenomenal. He took pictures and he wrote about it uh, on Reef Builders and that kind of introduced that product to the consumer market. And it's something that we thought there's no way that, that this is even remotely applicable to the consumer market. Man, I was mm. so wrong. But people loved it. They loved the look, they love the functionality, love all the different things we were doing with it. And that's just really exploded for us. Uh, but they are truly industrial grade sumps. They're built really strong. They're, they're thick material, they're heavy duty, and they have features that you cannot get on a normal acrylic sump. So like he's talking about, that's our integrated UV. Traditionally, if you want a UV, you have an external right. UV that you have to find the space for. You have to mount on the wall or, you know, hoist vertically. Uh, it takes up a lot of room. It's heavy and you have a lot of plumbing and valves that go along with it. A lot of leak right. points or leak potentials. With the integrated UV, it's just built into the sump. There's zero plumbing. There's no mm. valves. It, the only thing you need to mount is the LED panel, and you're good to go. You know, right? You throw your water in, plug it in, and you're you're gone. You're off to the races. So it's it's phenomenal in that regard. But we have our own lamps made for us, our own sleeves. It's our own system, and our 50 watt lamp emits. Uh, more UVC than competing 80 to 100 watt lamps. So that's what makes it our high output system. Uh, but, you know, dwell time, because they're all custom done, it's going to be custom designed based on whatever flow rate you're going to do and at whatever, f what fluence rate you're trying to hit. So, yeah, it absolutely can. And, the systems are designed to do that. So that that okay. So that that was basically designed for the industrial side of the uh, the business. But then you also have another um, series called the Plus series, right? That was uh, consumer. Yeah. So Plus series was our consumer right. grade line, and like most, I think, uh, I'm going to say damn near 100 percent of the the acrylic sumps out there are all quarter inch, and we don't do the quarter inch sumps. Our plus series sumps are three eighths inch cast mm -hmm. acrylic. So they're much heavier duty than what you're going to see. Um, so, you know, in cases where you know, like in a public aquarium, they're not neatly tucked in their stand. They're going to be out in the behind the scenes. People are going to stand on these things and they do mm -hmm. stand on them. So they're all built to withstand that you can stand on all of our sumps even our acrylic sumps, you know, you can pick them up by the bracing and the sump isn't going to bow. It's not going to break. And you try that with a lot of the consumer grade sumps, you're going to break that sump like that. So just a very different, just a much more heavier duty sump. Um, you know, so if you look at our bio sump, that's got uh, a biological chamber already built in with bio media, oh, wow. which we, we created that for, um, jellyfish 
oh, systems really? for the public aquariums. That's where that was born. And then we spun it from the public aquarium world out into the consumer market. And then that, uh, that design got ripped off by gosh, damn near everybody. <laughs> and you know, it, it, it's funny watching how you, we get a certain number of years when we create something and introduce it to where we're going to have a hundred percent of the market. And then you get all these different manufacturers and, you know, people all over the place that copy it and you, you see that market start to get chipped away and, a little and that's bit. That's pretty much undefendable. I mean, you can defend it, but then if you yeah, got I mean, a bottomless amount of money to defend it and time, then, uh, you know, but that's crazy. Uh, it, there's just, I mean, look, some things, yeah, you, you could probably do that with, but on something like that, we're we're already working on bigger and better things. It, it's just not worth the time and effort to try and squeeze some guy out in the middle of, you know, middle America trying to make a few yeah. bucks. It's not yeah. it's not what we want to do. So know? let's let's talk about skimmers, man. And um, you know, so when I was I was doing my research for this uh, interview. I was on your M MRC uh, the website checking out some of the uh, the skimmers. Like, holy crap, man! These guys sell Beckett skimmers. <laughs> I was like, nobody else. Yeah. Who else is still selling the Beckett injection uh, injection uh, skimmers? I was like, that was it's... like those were like the the you know the. Um, the 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 need i mean that was like the kind of skimmer to have back uh, a number of years ago i used to have like a 50 inch tall dual injection and back yeah. uh, skimmer and that thing kicked ass yep they did and you guys and, are still uh, selling that, them. that's we do yeah and a lot of them uh, it's really interesting because yeah i mean you remember back in the day like that was the skimmer yeah. to get right back at injection we had i think it was called club mrc on reef central where everybody was flocking to that um and the Zeovit system, that was the favored technology. Um, so, you know, Zeovit fans, and Zeovit comes in and goes out, and it's really all it is, essentially just carbon dosing. So, you know, the, but the Zeovit community had determined that that was the one to get, not needle wheel skimmers. So you still get demand from that community. Public aquariums, they still love them because they're workhorses. You know, they, they like the tech, they like the dependability, they're used to it. Um, and so that they use the hell out of them. Aquaculture facilities, a pond and freshwater tanks. I mean, they, there's still a lot of case use for our Beckett skimmers. So look, we, we talk about this every year going, man, we've had this product line for a long time. Do, do we need to be moving on from it? And the demand is still there so high that we we, had, we just have to keep it and keep so, producing and, it. And you guys don't uh, have any needle needle wheel uh, skimmers. You do. Okay, we do. So you got both. We okay. do. Our, our our pro series okay. are needle wheel, and then our industrial series, the big big skimmers, um, those are needle wheel. Yeah, I just remember it being so reliable. I mean, it, you know, obviously it was a space yeah. thing, right? Because uh, it's not something that can easily fit underneath a uh, a tank, uh, you know, inside a tank stand. If you've got like a fifty inch tall uh, skimmer, I mean, that that sucker's gonna have to be behind the tank or. Uh, not yeah. that one, yeah. They're they're smaller yeah. models, but yeah, it was a couple of things, you know. I mean, yeah, they are larger, but and they required at that point bigger pumps. Uh, but now, you know, the pump tech has really caught up, so you can use some of the smaller pumps on them. But they're still going to be larger, more powerful pumps than your equivalent needle wheel skimmers. And, going and to the be. Beckett injection uh, skimmers are all uh, utilizing external pumps, or can some be uh, internal? Um, can the skimmer some skimmers be in, inside the sump? Though they can okay. be in some, yeah. yeah. Back then it was tough because you really didn't have very many submersible options. 
now there's better pumps. I mean, you had the Danner mags, but yeah. God, man, I hated yeah. that pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I can't remember what I, I had Blue Line pumps, I think. But um, yep, Blue Line is what we favor on yeah. them because they're just so good, yeah, so, they're reliable. so reliable. They're just solid. Yeah, and they they're fantastic. I I still love the Blue Line pump. Yes, and you know, in fact, I do have a an MRC uh, calc reactor, and that's got a Blue Line pump on it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was when we came out with that one, the blue line, the calc was destroying pumps. Yeah. It would not destroy that blue right. line pump. I mean, I, it, they just keep going. Yes. That's what I remember. I always used to do like maintenance on that pump and, um, not really a lot to, uh, to worry about, uh, in terms no. of the wear and tear on that, no. um, on that pump. Um, so we're getting into the reactor uh, part of this whole thing, uh, Raj, and, and um, calcium reactors. So, uh, you know, we were uh, talking a little bit about uh, calcium reactors. And, and um, yeah, so um, you guys have a few different uh, models. And, and, and one of the models looks very similar to one that I used to use uh, years ago. Remember the, uh, the company um, M- MTC, Marine Technical Concepts? Oh, yeah. And that had a blue, that has, yeah, yeah. I still have that. They were yes, blue. Yes, and uh, yeah. that has a. Um, they they utilize uh, blue line pumps on on those uh, skimmers, but I still have mine, and that was a great uh, calcium reactor. You guys have a similar yeah. type of uh, reactor, and it, talk to us about the dual versus a single chamber calcium reactor because there's there's debate sure. I think in the hobby. Some people feel like it's not necessary to have that second chamber, and the second chamber is essentially there to help um, absorb some of that excess CO2, right, from the uh, first yep. chamber to help, um, you know, not suppress the pH as much that's coming out of the uh, the reactor. So can, can you uh, speak to that, Raj, in, in terms of the um, the reason why you guys are, are still selling the dual versus single chamber? I mean, do you have any research on the fact that a dual chamber will um, provide an X percent boost in terms of that pH that we're, you know, in terms of going, uh, okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we offer both, right. We have our single chamber, we have our dual chamber, and then we have our dual active chamber. Uh, but what you're referring to is that buffering chamber. And as f- I mean, is it necessary? That really depends on the buffering capacity of your aquarium itself. So many aquariums, if they're like if you don't have a sand bed, you've got reduced buffering capacity already. You're what's the only thing that's really going to buffer that is the rock. And then it's going to depend on how good is that rock? You know, is it, gosh, what was those Fiji blocks that were just solid or is it porous? And that's where there's a lot of variability. So if your tank has that buffering capacity, you don't necessarily have to have that buffering done in your reactor, but you are going to introduce that excess CO2 into your system and it is going to affect your, uh, your, your pH. If your system can buffer it, fine. If it can't, I don't know. You know, it, it just depends on the system as to how much it actually does depress that pH. What, what's your recommendation to most customers that are looking for a calcium reactor, dual or single chamber? Dual. Dual. Just yeah. to help the it's, pH. Just to help that pH, just to keep that stability and, you know, to not waste that 
that CO2. I mean, you've got an acidic solution that's exiting that main chamber. Um, why not use that excess up in that secondary chamber? And, and, and really that, that secondary chamber, the buffering chamber doesn't have to be anything special. It really just is going to hold more calcium reactor media, right? More aragonite, let your effluent go mm. through that and then enter right. your tank. So it's something that can be done on the cheap. It can be done DIY. And if you're looking at secondary chambers, they're not very expensive anyway. And you guys sell secondary chambers and those can be added to any calcium reactor, any, any manufacturer, manufacturer yeah. um, reactor. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Universal. Yeah. Um, Aiden Horwood is asking, what, what does Raj think about Cockwasser? So we've been talking about calcium reactors. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on supplementing yeah. that with a, a calc reactor or um, some other form of dripping calcium? I, uh, I love Cockwasser. My favorite combination of my, when I had my big reef tank was, was that, was I had my calcium reactor and my Cockwasser, my calc reactor going at the same time. And I, tell you i have never had such phenomenal results and that's that's proven itself over and over and over again and when you break it down a little bit you're looking at two different types of calcium you know you've got uh, calcium carbonate calcium hydroxide and so it's giving your corals two different flavors of the thing that it likes to uptake and that that to me is where the magic really lies. I agree hundred percent, man. I think uh cockwasser, calcium reactor with a calcwasser, uh, you know, in, in conjunction with that, man, you can't beat it. Just can't beat it. I mean it's it's you can't. It's phenomenal. I mean, it, it raises your pH back up. I mean the the alkalinity, your uh, it precipitates phosphates. I mean, what's not to love about it? And calcwasser the calc itself is cheap. Yeah. yeah. There's not many things in this hobby that are yeah. cheap. Yeah, no, that's that is very true. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, there's, there's various ways to do it, but, um, it's, uh, yeah. I, it is a great combination. Makes, makes total sense. It's, uh, seems, it's, it seems to have gotten a rebirth in the hobby. And, and that's the funny thing about the hobby. We, cause we see it on our side of these cycles that pop up, you know, refugiums are out, Ooh, refugiums are back in, Cockwasser is out, Cockwasser is back in. You know, calcium reactors do that. People are like, oh, I'm all into dosing. And then you know, the calcium reactors come back in and then they go back out of favor. It's just, it's such a weird I've phenomenon. I've gone back and forth myself. I mean, I started out in the, in the hobby doing two-part dosing because I thought that was, you know, for, for a beginner way back uh, when I was a beginner, that was the easiest thing to do. And it's simple. And people, even um, people that have been in the hobby for a very, very, very long time are still doing the two-part or three-part dosing because, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's simple. But it can get expensive if you have a uh, larger system. Oh know? yeah, it's expensive and it's a pain yeah. in the ass. I I was never a two part guy because that's just I don't want to dose my tank every single freaking yeah. day, man. I I just don't want to do it. And uh, and you and you look at aragonite and you're just dissolving these coral skeletons, right? The makeup of what you're trying to build that has the perfect ratio. It has the exact formulation of what your corals need. All of it, all your trace elements, it's all there. And I don't have to touch this thing for six months to a year at a time. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, if, if you have a high demand for, um, you know, calcium and alkalinity and you're dosing two part, 
then um, you know you're constantly. I mean, if you don't have a, if you, if you got a dose by by hand, you know, manual, that definitely sucks. But if you got yeah. a uh, doser, yeah. you got to stay on top of that because it's constantly like refilling the uh, the um, you know the jugs and the doser, just pulling from the uh, for the parts uh, the two parts. But yeah, so I, I've I've gone back and yeah. forth, but. Um, yeah, and and one of the big reasons why I was doing that it was it was simple at the time when I had a smaller tank. Plus, it um, it helped uh, you know keep the pH elevated, whereas the calcium reactor was um, suppressing it. So you know I think yep. when you're running a calcium reactor, it makes a lot of sense to do cockwasser to um, to keep that pH um, boosted. Absolutely. Um, all right, Bucky, I, I think you 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 dropped this question earlier in the chat. Um, Getting back to Andrew's system, did MRC come up with a solution to Andrew's degassing problem, and how difficult is it to solve? So, um, do you want to uh, quickly explain what uh, I think I, when I had Andrew on? I think he was talking about it, but maybe just give a quick uh, debrief on what the degassing issue is in Andrew Sandler's uh, tank. Yeah, so I mean, and Andrew's tank has got a, you know so much going on there, um, and there's multiple sources for that issue. And yeah, we've you know we've gone through, we've identified it, we've got a plan of action, and I'm actually going to see him in a couple of days and kind of chat about that a little bit and and uh, put things, start getting things into motion there. Um, but yeah, no, his his system is it, it's funny, like watching that system from the first day I saw it to where it is now, Andrew's done a great job of really paying attention and listening and, you know, kind of listening to his tank and saying, okay, something's mm. not right. Let me figure out what to do here and going through those motions. And, and I give a lot of credit to him for sharing that with everybody. You know, it's like you make a mistake. You don't want to broadcast it. And it's, it's the one thing that I love is being able to see that, man, he tried something, it didn't work, and he's showing that, hey, this is something that didn't work for me. And so we can all learn, which yep. is phenomenal. But yeah, there's, you know, there's there's entrainment, there's entrapment, there's some low pressure issues. There's it's and, complicated. And it's, <laughs> it's complicated. There's so many different things that are now combined together that are creating the problem. So it's not just one thing that has to be addressed. It's a bunch of little things that are just combining together to create a it big problem. It just blew my mind seeing that tank and all the equipment in person. It just blew my mind. I, I, I can't comprehend yeah. how that uh, whole thing was engineered, but that's a whole other thing. Um, so we were briefly talking about UV in line with your, uh, your sub. Mm. What is Infinity? Unbelievable water clarity. Ah, the Infinity. That's our uh, that's our roller ah, mat. Okay. And uh, it's it's the largest roller mat with the highest flow rates available. And it's funny because Jake, for years, was kicking my ass over this thing, saying, "You got to build one. <laughs> you got to build one. You got to build a big one." And I was like, no, nobody wants a big roller mat. Roller mats are stupid. <clears throat> nobody wants them. Socks are cheap. Socks are easy. Not doing it. Not doing it. And finally, right, got around because I, I thought that they were going to smell. Mm. And once we kind of, you know, the, you, small ones went through multiple iterations in the market. And I got to use one. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. And it doesn't <laughs> stink. We can. Maybe we should do a big one. And so that that's how that came about but yeah it's just our automatic fleece roller and it's uh, 
pretty phenomenal. That is going on my tank build too. Nice. Which is going to look ridiculous because it is it's huge. <laughs> do you have uh, a but, yeah? I, do you I have love a separate room for the equipment behind the tank or something. So most of the equipment is going under the stand, but I am putting the skimmer behind the tank just so I have better access to it because I'm going to do a lot of, you know, I'm going to take care of this tank. And uh, the less I have to squat over and get under a stand, the better it is going to be for my back. And that's that's the <laughs> route that I need to take. That's right. You Because uh, you, you, I'm just not going to do it your back, right? Yeah, yeah. And um. I, I'm going to have to go back and do Ooh, surgery sucks, on it. Man. I've been um, avoiding that. Uh, I've done everything other than I actually even did acu acupuncture. My uh, sister-in-law uh, introduced me to it, and it's it was pretty great, actually. And so I'm going to give that a shot, but it's not going to be a long-term mm. solution. Um you know, and I'm looking and saying, well, I'm in my 40s now and I can recover from a invasive surgery because it's in my spine. Um, but if I have to deal with this in 10 years or 20 years when I'm 60, then what? Yeah. All right. Well, well uh, you know, best wishes for the uh, procedure if that happens in the near uh, future. Um, so I, I asked you that question in terms of are you going to have the um, any equipment behind the tank? Is is that something that you guys um, you know try to point people towards in terms of remote equipment locations? Like if there is a tank that's going to be uh, upstairs in a house, do you try to steer people to like you know you might want to consider having your uh, the the guts of the operation in terms of the equipment downstairs where uh, you'll have more room to service the, uh, do the maintenance, or if there's a side room. I mean, I my uh, setup right here in the basement, I've got two systems in the, and, um, in the basement, and both, the, I got one sump room off to the side. So it was a little kind of tricky in terms of getting the plumbing to work right on the same level. <laughs> it's a lot easier because I've done it also in a house where you go downstairs to the sump and then pump back up. But is that something that I always like to say to people, like if you can, do a remote sump type of a setup, and that's always ideal. Hundred percent. Yeah, remote sump and filtration room is where it's at. If you can maintain your system standing up with clear yeah. access to everything, you're more apt to do it. You know, and you're going to do a better job of it. Uh, the more difficult it is to maintain, the less you're going to yeah. maintain it. I mean. It, I, I tend to design things based on how I am, right? And if I hate doing something, I just assume that the next person's going to hate doing something. And it, it's played out quite nicely. So, you know, having now the a lot of that filtration underneath my tank, again, it's going to be challenging for me because I'm not used yeah. to it anymore. Now, on smaller systems, it it's fine. You can get away with it under the tank because you just don't need as much space. But... You know, larger systems or even on the on a smaller system. If you have that back room or downstairs, nothing beats it. Yeah, I, I um, when I when I my my largest tank uh, when I was um, you know, really getting into uh, the groove in terms of reef keeping was a 120 gallon tank and it was an in wall tank and and uh, it was the first house my wife and I moved into, and so we uh, we had our contractor build in a a closet behind the uh, the, the the wall. So that was kind of like my equipment yeah. room was like I had this really cool in-wall tank and then you couldn't see any of the equipment. There was no stand or anything that was visible. It was just like a wall. And, you know, I mean, that's got its pluses and minuses too because it's sort of like one-dimensional. 
you're not getting to see the sides of the tank or even like look you know top down or, or that stuff mm -hmm. but it was also practical in the sense that i had a closet behind it with all the equipment so uh you know just kind of i guess kind of like neat little things like that that you could uh, bake into a project yeah yeah if you have that luxury of getting that room built man yeah. go for it that's yeah. awesome yeah. um one last thing i wanted to ask you about in terms of mrc uh, uh stuff is the uh the pumps you've got this hydrotech pump line what um what can you tell yeah. us about that well, you know, again, just like with what we do, they're born in the USA. Um, there's a seal manufacturer actually here located in Georgia. That's all they do are seals. And on these external pumps, that's kind of the big issue that people run into. And, you know, there's a popular manufacturer for many years. And one of the big issues they've, they had back then was seals. Mm. Now it's transformed into other issues because the motors are you know, different motors now, but so top quality seals, um, good motors all put, you know, built here, um, with a five-year warranty at a very, very attractive price. Uh, it's, we just needed something for ourselves. Really. We needed something that we can use on our own products, uh, because our protein skimmers are going to use these pumps, right? Our industrial skimmers use our motors, our pro series use our motors. So we needed something anyway that we can consume with our own products. And so gotcha. offering that product for a flow was the next natural progression for it. And they're efficient. That's what people don't, uh, don't really pay attention to is the efficiency of the pumps. And how do you uh, measure efficiency? Just the amount of watts that they're drawn? Oh yeah, right. You look at the watts or the gallons, gallons per watt. Up. So you take a, let's say our LP4200, which is a low pressure pump, 4200 gallons per hour, right? Compare that to a very nice DC pump that puts out about 3700 gallons per hour, I think it is. Our pump uses 154 watts. The DC pump uses 200 wow. watts, right? Almost 30% or yes, 30% That's a big difference. On a DC pump. 24-7, that's a big difference. That's a so big you're looking difference. at, that's a huge difference. So with our pump, you're getting 27 gallons per watt and there's, you're going to get about 18, 19. So there's a big difference in what you're getting. And then you look at the cost of the pump, right? Ours is 500. That pump, I think, is about 2,500. Mm. So five times the cost to use more mm. power and get less flow. What's wrong with that equation? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't add up. Um, Doesn't add up. Now, don't get me wrong. I use that DC pump on, on projects all the time. It's a fantastic pump, and it has its case use. But for most people... The $500 option is a way better option. I hear you. Um, all right. The last question of the evening, uh, Raj, is going to come from Bucky. Um, and I've never heard of this. Have you ever used rotary hmm. drum filters, RDFs, on large, RDSs. On, on, on yep. large uh, reefs? Do they work well in salt water? I uh, don't really use them on large what reefs. Is a, uh, what is a drum, uh, rotary drum filter? Drum filter? So it's... It, it's essentially a big screen and it's done in a cylindrical drum and you have your water being sprayed through that screen. 
Um, and it deals with high flows. Okay. So, you know, I don't see them on reef tanks. I have never used one on a reef tank. You see them on much larger scale systems. You see them on, on the freshwater side mostly. Um, and mainly because they didn't really have anything that was able to work on the saltwater side. Um, there's a, there's some stuff coming out of Europe now that are smaller and that are created for uh, the saltwater hobby. So we'll see how that works out with reef tanks because, you know, we've got calcareous algae to deal with. So if you're going to get that kind of buildup on there, it's really going to affect the performance of these things. Yeah, great bearded reef. Paul says um, you see them on ponds. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yep. Tony Reeferoni, what kind of watch is on the wrist tonight, Raj? <laughs> I guess that's the final question. <laughs> that's uh, this is one of my this like my favorite daily watch, but it's my um, it's my Omega. Nice that comes through. Yeah. Sweet, and it's uh, there it is. So I love Chronos. I'm just obsessed with them. I don't know why, but I love the yeah. way they look. I love the dials. I love the like the complexities. And this one's actually a sailing watch, so it's titanium. Nice. Uh, so it's it's large, but it's lightweight, and you know the the rubber strap on it is just so comfortable that I can wear it with ease. And I, I just love I've, this. I've thing. got it's a great. I've got a Wenger. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right man any uh any final words did we miss anything do you uh did, did we uh what 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 have we not covered here uh raj i don't know i think we covered the yeah, whole gamut yeah. Yeah. all right well listen man i um i appreciate you being on any uh, any final words there before we uh sign off anything you want to plug i uh, just just thank you so much for you know chatting with me having me on i had a great time and Likewise, yeah. man, it was uh, it it was it was a great uh, chat getting to know you more and and appreciate you taking the time, dude. Yeah, you coming out to uh, restock? I, it's going to be like a kind of a last minute de decision for me, I guess. Uh, what what is okay. what is the deadline in terms of uh, getting getting uh, in, into uh, restock? I mean, you could buy tickets a day of, right? I can't do that, but uh, you can. Yeah yeah, 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 you can. Just show up. Yeah. You better be there. And then you've got two chances. You've got Chattanooga. And if you've never been, been down to Chattanooga, it's a phenomenal city. It's a small city. It's right there in the mountains. you got so much to do outside of the reef show. And it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't wait for that one. Um, and the um, the website's Reefstock. Uh, Reefstock. Reefstock.show. Reefstock.show. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, listen, Raj, thank you so much again for being on the uh, on the show tonight. And I also want to thank both Volk Reef Supply and Nika Tech Marine for sponsoring it. And thanks to all you folks out there for tuning in. And um, big thank you to Paul, who's the moderator, who's also the president of the Boston Reefer Society. That was the plug for uh, having the reef stock in, uh, in Boston. Um, I love please Boston. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to this hobby. I also want to let you know all episodes of Wrap on the Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Wrapping with Reef Bum will be on Tuesday, next Tuesday, January 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My guest is going to be Bobby Miller, a.k.a. Humble Fish. We're going to be talking about uh, identifying and treating fish disease. So please tune in if you want to check out the full upcoming nice. schedule of guests. On Rapper on the Reef Bum, visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Until then, 
Be safe and be well. Later.